whips, chains, spank me. We are getting a little kinky today. Welcome to our fetish show. It's the Queer Centric with your eager host, Queerly Johnny. And he's been a bad boy. Hello, it is the show that so many of you have been asking for, waiting for, and Johnny is nothing if not someone who delivers on those things. So you have come to a very fun night. We already have a little, it has its own intro, you'll hear with music and everything, uh, but this is The Fetish Show. So before we get started and into all of your questions that you sent in, uh, very fascinating. Like, I don't blush at anything. So I love how many of you sent me questions and said, you're going to learn so much about me. And I'm, I'm like, I, okay, I, I'll give you my dossier and you'll see you can learn a whole lot about me too. And I said, doesn't matter. Safe space, safe space. So, but before we get started, we do want to thank everyone and especially our sponsors to help make this show happen. You'll see right around my neck, I'll tell you what this is, is a, is a fun little glucose necklace. So Glucose Revival is the maker of the innovative Thrive Glucose Medical Alert Necklace. They manufactured the only wearable product for on-demand help for those suffering from low blood sugars, uh, from minor to severe, really. Thrive Glucose Medical Alert Necklace is is convenient, there's a lot of words in this, is convenient and effective in treating hypoglycemic episodes. So whether you're diabetic or hypoglycemic, or you're an athlete, or maybe you're even out with your dog and they're having a low blood sugar uh, episode, it's safe for your pets too. Because Glucose Revival believes you should live your best life. You shouldn't you think that too? Was that good? That was a good, like, so good. Very slow. convincing. I, mean, I know. So if I don't have to, I should memorize like I'm acting, but I, that's so much work. So welcome to the show. For everyone, I want you to know you, uh, you've you met uh, two of our guests, but we're going to remind you of why they're really good to have on this specific show. Damon, I want to start with you. Of course, you were on the sex show with us. Tell our people who you are, how they can find you. Thank you, Jonathan. And thank you, for Kurt, everybody. It's so great to speak to you and spoke can again. I'm coming to you from New York City. So far and away. And I'm a licensed therapist. Yeah, I know. But so um, I've been a licensed marriage and family therapist now, both licensed in New York and California for uh, the past 26 years, and also working in sexual health and HIV prevention for the last 31 years. And I can tell you with quite certainty that this is the best and most exciting time to be working in this field and talking about so many innovations and invitations for pleasure and fun and connection. So I'm so glad we're gonna do this. And before we get into the questions, I just kind of want to start and let people know some of my um, framework here. After doing this work for this long, let me just tell you that if people gave up the word should and if people gave up the word normal, I'd probably be out of a job tomorrow. <laughs> because I think the things that people get stuck on the most is the word should and the word normal. So we'll probably talk about that tonight as the questions come. But I just want people to consider um, what it might mean to challenge and change some of these um, oppressive notions that might be holding them back from the connection and the pleasure that they want to be experiencing right now. And at least twice in the show, I try really hard because Damon has taught me through the years, 
but he will correct me on saying should because it just comes out of your mouth. It's like this horrible ingrained <laughs> thing. But I also want to say that uh, for those of you listening, Damon does is the author of two books, and one of them is called Absolutely Shouldless, and you can get those on Amazon and a lot of places. So I both of them are on my shelf. Uh, so I do highly recommend uh, looking into those. But we'll learn a lot about this should. This is the perfect show for shoulds to not to learn about why they shouldn't be part of our vocabulary. Or to challenge and oh, maybe listen. change them. I like challenge. We could do that. Challenge. Well, now let's get over to you, lovely people. We'll start. I want to save this. This No one knows who you are. You're very mysterious. For last, so we're going to start <laughs> over here with Madame Stina Ray. Hello, I'm Madam Stina Ray, uh, co-owner of Atomic Threads a Boutique here in Spokane. Uh, we also, uh, I say we for the, the, the man of the mystery man, yeah. uh, we also yeah. own uh, House of Debauchery, which is Spokane's first kink education and social club. So uh, kink has been a part of my life for a longer than I, I basically groomed myself as a horseback rider as a child to be like, you're going to be in the kink world, apparently. Uh, so it's definitely been a journey of self-reflection and growth and learning different depths of myself as well as the pleasure that comes from them. And listen, you're, you are definitely not afraid, as we learned uh, when I was hosting the Pride stage, and I said, I was so tired because I was up there for eight hours and I just handed you the mic. You and worked said, so hard. You needed a break. I was like, take the mic and you do just fine. You, so, you said take the mic. I'm like, am I supposed to give this I know. back? Yeah, right. <laughs> I know. Once you have that power. Now let's come over here to Mr. Stina Ray. Hi, I'm Mr. Stina Ray. Um, mystery yeah, is gone now. No mystery. Um, <laughs> I've been in the lifestyle for almost 15 years, I guess. Nice. Um, was not... Uh, true to myself, and I wanted had a lot of self-reflection for a long period of time that led me down to the different paths of more self-exploration, and I happened to stumble onto kink and poly and all those great things and led myself to a lot more education, and in that process, I found my other half here. Hey. And, and I love that you guys do education, and you're the one that took me on the tour of the dungeon mm -hmm. with our lovely intern, Daniel, who I had no idea was mortified the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> so this part. is good this is i think he didn't know what we were going to and i thought it was great first of all it's huge mm -hmm. second of all i loved the education aspect because there's no judgment there there we're all at a space that we can learn and that's the whole point of today's show if you've tuned in because you had some questions you wanted to ask our our panel or you just want to listen because i did run into a lot of people who were shy and they mm -hmm. and you know what shy is fine uh but they are, cannot wait to kind of listen into the show. So uh, we we had a lot of what I call 101 questions and a lot of uh, other people. I talked to someone today and they're like, I've been doing it for so long, it's hard for me to think of any questions that I have because they just do what they I do. I also no, find that people... Questions. I find also people don't realize that they've been doing the kinky things all along. They just didn't know there were names to them. Yeah. Yes, everything. You <laughs> they name didn't it, it label be, it. Be they didn't. Okay, so panel, my beautiful people, are we ready for to tackle some questions? Indeed. Yeah. Uh, Damon, you saw when we went through this, there's lots of shame questions as well. So I'm excited to have that conversation. Okay, so we're going to start with the first one. If I have new things, quote unquote, I want to explore some kinks that are intriguing to me, how do I begin to even bring these up to my partner? So Damon, what would you say in communication? So communication is always 
for the better in a relationship, in my opinion. Um, and hopefully it's a relationship where there's room for discovery and exploration and creation in other ways. So hopefully there's a context in which both people are nurturing a process of living life and exploring new ways of experiencing pleasure in perhaps all different ways. That can be a sexual way, but that might also be in terms of one's artistic expression or something, a sport they want to take on. So hopefully, if there's not, there can still be a context in which we can explore, this is something I might want to look at or I might want to try with you. And to be open to the other person, like I'm not sure what kink they're referring to or what they want to do, but just approach that from a place of using I statements. Mm -hmm. And it's really important to discern that from like you statements. Um, I, for example, I might enjoy if you put your fist in my butt. And that might be something I'd really like to try with you versus you should put your hand in my ass because I want to figure out what that feels like. Yeah. Two very different uh, ideas of ways to explore and create energy and connection. So to really own the I, um, again, trying to avoid the word should. And if it's something very new to the person, perhaps give them a little space, a little room to absorb. Because a lot of times I think in kink, the things that we might initially say no to or have a reaction to are things that we eventually find like could be really fun or at least interested in trying. Right. And so even if someone like if it's a completely new concept, just to give room to say, OK, maybe that person is saying no. And even if they're saying no today, maybe they'll be open to learning more about it or thinking more about it in the weeks or months ahead. See, and that's, that's where I'd start with that. Right. And I think communication is very key. Now, when you two got together, I'm sure in the beginning, you still have to negotiate this because you don't really like there is no mind like meld and you know exactly. So what does that look like for a couple when they're just kind of finding to feel the water with each other? Or even before you're a couple? Because like originally how we started, I was on stage doing fire and she just came to the party. Wow. Introduced herself as, I'm the girl I with started the dating him and his wife, ex-wife at yeah. the time mm-hmm. uh, until I realized where like that, wasn't right. where things didn't did not fit. Um, but for me, like even as we had, because he had more experience in the kink world than I did. I had, I, those that can't do read. And I read a lot in my twenties and into my thirties. And so like, I had a lot of research in, but I didn't have a lot of hands-on practice. And so even where some of the things, even as we were together, it was like, Hey, I, for instance, a new one for me recently has been like dollification. That's something like I'm interested in. It's not something that is, as common per se and and for our listeners can mm -hmm. you give a definition about what that is uh dollification has different kind of realms but um basically it is um you know like for me as a person interested in it would be where i am interested in releasing some control and aspects of that to step out of my adult brain and i'm wanting to give that to control to somebody else that can be in the way of being like marionetted with shibari rope that can be verbally told these things it can be a predict there's all different realms of that and different some are more like sexual pleasure dolls some are predicament and pain type of it all has different realms right but like that was something where he had had interest in that realm in a different way than I was. Yeah. But it was like, hey, I am interested in my interest in dollification is in this realm. And that that opens up that space to be like, 
Um, I also have had where like I um, researched. So then I, along with coming forward about my uh, question or inquiry, I'd be like, here's the things that I've read that can also give you a realm into where like oh, insight into where my brain is. Right. And so it, it like, like Damon said, is very much that creating that container for communication mm-hmm. to be very um, give and take receiving right. that. And like that, no, like he said, there's been things that Mike's been interested in mm-hmm. or I have that maybe we weren't in that same page, but it didn't mean no forever. It's just like, right. hey, we'll so revisit that later. What I'm hearing is it doesn't matter what level or how long no. communication is because new things come up. Yeah. So what so is that like for you? Every it, it, the Creating the container that you can bring something to your partner, um, uh, being very intent with your verbiage is very important. And so creating that space where someone can come to you and say, Hey, I have this curiosity. Like, like we have, we started a dynamic at one point that really wasn't a dynamic that we were interested in, but it kind of like stumbled upon to it as far as like a daddy and baby girl kind of scenario. So, um, it actually came about because it became a, a, a funny thing within our family. And there was just, a song that was playing at the boutique. It was like a nineteen forties like Daddy song oh, Daddy. every day. And I fantasized with that song and I'm like, I would really like that if she called me that. And I didn't know that, but like for me it right. came into where I was just like, Oh, Daddy, oh daddy. And then right. like the kids chimed in and he's like, Oh no, this is not okay. <laughs> and I'm like, Okay, we'll have yeah, a conversation like Wrong why exactly. are you having yeah. this feeling? Yeah. And it was because he had that interest. I was like, Okay. Right. Okay. Well, that wasn't where my brain was when we were first together, but like we grew, we evolved. And then I was able to open up that space and be vulnerable in a way that he was really wanting to experience. And also understanding the container you create is just good for the conversation, knowing that the education you may, one or both may need to be after to find. Right will most likely be outside of your container. Right. Because you can together go find this information, and I highly recommend it doing as much as you can in those ways. Right. But there's, you're not always going to find the information you need by staying in your container. Right. That's where we've provided the House of Debauchery is an open space to explore all of the things and ask right. all of the questions. And then we look for see people. the things get all of the education. Yeah, we uh, tell everyone, come voyeur and watch, experience things, right. feel the energy of the space, those kind of things. Right. And so this this specific question, uh, Damon, I want to ask something specific to you. This is like a cl- conglomeration of questions I got. And part of the context of, w- of what this uh, lovely listener was bringing up when when sent in this question is what happens if you have been together for like 20 years in a very specific uh you know heteronormative uh you know missionary style and now one of them is saying hey i know it's been 20 years of this how do you if it's that much of a like that's a big conversation i know communication is key but what do you do when one has all of a sudden found this side of them and it's going to be a little shocking because that's not has that's not how their relationship has functioned so the key word that i invite people to keep in mind here is compersion and in short what compersion means is having joy in someone else's joy even if you're not directly part of it this plays out in couples all the time Let's say one person, like for me, I'm going to say I'm a city person. I don't want to camp. I don't want to <laughs> hike. I don't want nature. Not for me. I'm 52 and I pretty much know that that's my limit. <laughs> when I have a partner who likes to hike, 
I'm going to say to him, like, great, if you want to hike, go hike. And if you want to create <laughs> that community or you got people and that gives you pleasure, more have at it. Because when you feel good, I'm going to feel good even mm -hmm. when I'm not with you. Right. Yep. So we practice compersion and different ways of compersion all the time in couples and relationships because it's rare that two people have the exact same interests. But when we get into the sexual realm and the erotic realm, what we want to do is practice those tools as well to see, first of all, that exploration that I mentioned earlier. Maybe I'd like to try this. Maybe I'd like to go on a hike. Maybe I'm willing to go on a hike with him for like an hour and see if I do like it. Because even if I haven't liked hiking with other people, maybe I'll like hiking with him. Maybe it'll be different with him. Right. And then I can try that. And if I like an hour hike, maybe I'll want to do longer. Who knows? But if I go on an hour hike and I'm like, you know what? <laughs> Not for me. You have your hikes with somebody else. Same thing in terms of exploring sexual pleasure and kink in my experience. We want to be open to giving our partners the pleasure that they're asking for. And then also accepting if it's simply not our cup of tea and mm -hmm. it's never going to be a source of joy or pleasure for us to wish them well and support them in their ability to create that experience with others. I like that. And it doesn't, as we've talked many times, it doesn't even necessarily have to mean that that relationship is over. What it means is giving each other the space to, to have. No conversion. Yeah. Yeah, compersion yeah, is huge. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. See, I like that. I like that a lot. Now, uh, another question we got from a lot of people who this, what I loved about putting this out there to the the universe, to um, you know, all the technical gadgets we have, is the people who are tentatively like, mm, I've never had a place to ask questions. One of the things that we got a lot is basically if you have started from nowhere and you're curious, how do you safely, maybe they don't have a great education uh, system in their town, how do they go about safely exploring this side of their life? So for my experience, I actually stumbled upon it because I started by reading a book about Polly, uh -huh. and then I met someone with my wife on OkCupid, yeah. and then we went on a date, and then they mentioned FetLife, yeah. which is social media for the kinky individual yes and so from that they it was just like guided like i've had experience in this you should follow this so it's finding yeah. like-minded people that have that experience which is not easy to do right that's why we're trying to make it more publicly known to like this is normal exactly like you are going to go the chemicals and the feelings you have that you experience are as average as everybody else in right. every other scenario. So why not make it more public and get the education And honestly, it ain't the and 1950s. So, Online no. is very helpful to find it like is. Fat Life and Huge. all of yep. that. Yeah. And even and then, like books too. Like he was saying books, books. of like uh, all different types. Like I didn't know when I was single, like how do I learn what I'm pleasure, you know, what, what gives me pleasure when I don't have a partner for two right. years. I'm not having sex because that's a thing. So it was reading of like, reading into different realms um, in, in seeing what piques your interest in like I've, I'm the nerd that highlights the things and writes down <laughs> like I've got the list and I love it and and then it is like okay um, meeting like you said like-minded people whether it's at a munch or something like that you can reach out to but then within that you also get to have experiences that other people have had and kind of like you realize you're not alone you're not the weirdo right. because guess what we all like things they're right? different and yeah. yeah it 
makes you feel less alone in that journey. Yeah. And it's, I think people are looking from all the questions uh, we ended up getting. It's uh, safety and permission seems to be this big. We had one question that sums up a lot of the shame aspect, which is uh, this person is worried that if they start giving in to these desires that they have, that they've kept held up, they're worried they'll, as quote unquote, lose themselves. And so they're worried that it, it will take over their life because of these things. Damien, what would you say to someone who's, who that's their concern? I mean, that's a big, you that's know, a big concern. Yeah. Well, I'd be curious the context. Like, has right. this person had control issues before? Have mm -hmm. they had struggles with drugs or alcohol or gambling or something where they have felt out of control of their actions? But if not, then I'd be curious to know, why do you think you'd lose control by giving into pleasure? Pleasure is a really beautiful, wonderful part of life. Mm -hmm. And we can approach it intentionally so that it's an integral part of our lives, not the focus. Not like you just say, OK, well, now I like spanking and I'm never going to go to work ever again because I need <laughs> to be spanked all day. Right. <laughs> I mean, it's a so true statement, and some. I don't. You think part of it? I think for all of us in this room, we grow up in we grew up in this society, and sometimes the society has been uh, a little repressed at times, a little Victorian at times. Do you think part of it is because that's? Uh, if you look at mainstream, that's we're taught to be afraid of sex. We're taught to be afraid of pleasure, and so maybe that increases that anxiety. So I think exactly right on. Our, our, the culture, and at least the United States, is very much based in Puritan ethics, which mm -hmm. says that sex is wrong. Um, and if you have a lot of it or you enjoy it too much, there's going to be some punishment or consequence that you're going to have to deal with down the road. And that's so deeply embedded in so many of our minds. And I think that sometimes informs some of these questions about what if I allow myself to discover the kind of pleasure that I want to enjoy something bad might happen to me right. or I might have to be punished to deal with the consequences of that. And I really work to help people challenge and change that right. narrative that might be preventing them from having the kind of experiences they deserve to be having. Right, exactly. And uh, uh, Mr. Stinere, you had mentioned, it's a different kind when I think about it, but you had mentioned that lovely idea of the container. Mm -hmm. And I think that sometimes the container we put ourselves in is so restrictive. And and so it's that. Yeah, we are our know, own worst enemy. Oh, definitely. for real. Yeah. For real. Um, yeah, you can create your own. It all depends on, that's why I highly recommend going to a munch, you know, a local gathering. Yeah. Finding people that you can sit down and have conversations with. Uh, me personally, my way I came into the community is I found the local munch and I started going every Friday and I met a couple people that I'm like, Hey, you do a few things that I'm interested in. I right. want to learn from you. And so I attached myself with these people so I could be mentored in a way right. of learning the skills I wanted to learn to have those experiences. And then it's just kind of grown and from tell there. me about the, the term you use the munch. The munch? Yeah, uh, it's for just a, people it, who don't know the term. Yeah, so a munch is a kinky social gathering in a public space where you can get together and just have conversations of an adult nature of any... We And several different groups have them all over the country. You can go to pretty much almost any big city and you will find... It some is, kind of group. It's crazy how much I learned in doing this because, uh, you know, I'm a very open individual, but boy, I learned there are amazing groups, diverse groups of different things all over the place. Dungeons mm -hmm. as well. We right? like to travel and investigate other dungeons to see how they operate. It's crazy. And it's like we, anymore I notice that it's just under the surface. 
Like it seems to have, you know, way back decades ago, it probably started really deep and it's just slowly risen a little bit. And now in Spokane, at least it's, it's just under, you can feel it. You know, you can, t- I mean, oh, just the fact that you guys' right shop there. exists it's at right all yeah. shows that it's right <laughs> under the surface. Well, and that's how like we decided to go beyond just FetLife and like mm-hmm. social, me- social media because right. so many people are veering out of that because they're burnt out on social media and all that comes with that. Mm -hmm. So the idea of putting themselves online in where they can be judged is scary. So when we had the boutique start open up and like I had people coming in, they're talking about the clothing they're trying to wear. I've had people wanting to explore as a cross, you know, maybe cross dressing or something in that. And they don't know how to do those things. Well, just sitting there and providing a space where they can be heard and talk changed so much so people then instead of using code words for like i go to this place every friday right. i'm looking for i'm like oh are you looking for this kind of shoe or dress mm-hmm. and they're like yeah. oh yeah how did you know Maybe. you're also really good at reading people like <laughs> I, I try and real being hard comfortable. Yeah. like you you put them at ease oh, right thank away you. oh most certainly <laughs> most certainly i talk about the shop all the time because i'm like no you should go check this out. Um, this is something. This is something I've been interested in. This next question, and Damon, I think you'll have a lot of insight uh, to help. But the question from one of our listeners is: What is the difference between fetishizing someone and just being attracted to spe- two specific traits? I love chub men, or I love black men. It's just qualities that turn me on. But then I'm shamed, and people tell me it's wrong because I fetishize a human being. He, so this person, when I was talking to them, doesn't feel like they're doing that, but wants to not do that. How, how do you balance that? How do you figure out, you know, the respect of it all and still, you know, say, I'm just attracted to this? Right. So that's a, such a great question. And we could probably go for hours mm-hmm. and ask right. every, like 100 people where, that, where the line is and probably get 100 different answers. Right. But I do think it's really important it's like we all have types that we are erotically drawn to and that's why we're sexual people because we have sexual types that's why some of us identify as strictly gay or some people are strictly straight or some people prefer one gender or one race or ethnicity so it's not like there's anything wrong with preferring a certain type erotically where i think it gets problematic is if you're objectifying and fetishizing that person without their consent, There's the without word. giving, without um, involving them. So if you're a white person and you find black men attractive, okay, that can be a wonderful, beautiful thing. But when you start to stereotype or limit a group of people by their physical appearance and then have certain expectations of them because of their physical appearance or because of their racial group, that's where I think it becomes really that line gets crossed into something oppressive and harmful. Right. And, you know, again, it, it's when it also depends on how you express that. Like if you're on Grindr or something and you start getting into that world of know this, know that, yeah. know certain type. That is a fetishization that is really insulting and hurtful. Right. So I, th- I think there's a way to appreciate and respect the groups of people you are erotically drawn to and get engagement and consent following a, a certain respectful codes. See, and, and I tell this story, yeah, I, I love this answer. And I also tell the story, uh, I've probably said it for years and years, but uh, so I'm a big guy and I'm fine with, with who I am. And I know there are people, a good group of people that think I'm a supermodel and I'm okay with this. And I have a friend who is a larger woman and she's offended 
when people come to her and hit on her, when men are like, I think you're super sexy. And I said, I think this might have more to do with you don't feel like you are worthy of being sexy. Because I I have no problem if a guy thinks I'm hot because there's more to me than just being hot. I know it's hard to believe. Um, <laughs> there's more to me than that. But I enjoy, we are both enjoying each other. And, and you know, th that's part of the... Part of attraction. Attraction in my mind is chemical. And, you know, as long as you're not treating me like shit and disrespecting me, this can be a beautiful thing. And yet I see her block herself from people because she can't allow someone to come to her and tell her that she's beautiful and tell her they find her attractive. She, uh, this person told me that they thought first thing in their mind was they're sick. And I'm like, what does that say? You you need to embrace yourself and love yourself and know. And so it is this interesting line. We're taught that anything that makes us unique, uh, if people find us sexy for that, there's a, there's a number of people who say, well, you can't do that. And I think that's part of the puritanical background that, that we live in. So, Yeah. And like you said, that really runs deep often into one's own inner core beliefs about yeah. themselves, their bodies, their mm -hmm. worth, their, their mm -hmm. value as beautiful sexual object and i don't mean objects like um right. in a fetish objectifying yeah. way we see our bodies as vessels of of pleasure and beauty that has to begin with the internal work yes. for us to be able to be open to receiving that in a respectful desirable way from the external world as well yeah, yeah. and i think that is what when i uh when i think about beginning when I was a young, shy child um, in my 20s and opening up to the idea that sex is, uh, is an, you know, the way I'm exploring the world and sex is the way I'm expressing myself. I think that's, to me, it was, a, it was an eye-opening, awakening experience. And I think that I see what you guys offer in House of Debauchery and all of those things as that door. But I think... You, all, you both also have the spirit of education just about you. Mm -hmm. And have you noticed people coming in tentatively, toe in the water, and seeing them blossom? Absolutely. Oh, many. So we, much. Had, like, yeah. yeah oh, <laughs> we've had people come to the parking lot and then call and said, I'm scared to come in. Oh, wow. And okay. so like, we'll unlock the door. I'll go out to your car. I will help escort you in mm -hmm. and give you that space. I've also like... We've had people, I've had people where they were wanting to come into the boutique to try on clothes mm -hmm. and did not feel comfortable as a, um, seemingly what appeared as a straight man coming in, wanting to try on a dress right. was terrifying. And the fact that anybody in there could see that and or judge. So like we've had the boutique closed down to give that space mm -hmm. of like, Hey, you can come in. And then to watch them come in during the business hours and like try on a pair of shoes and then like, Oh, they'll grab this dress. And like, I had a man last year come in. He was 77 and he came in and he, I talked to him on the phone about a month before You're gonna make me cry. about shoes. <laughs> know, yeah. Right? It's a lot. Um, he called about shoes. He's like, I'm looking for a pair of heels. I was like, okay, mm. absolutely. We carry brands. I'll go into that. And he's like, okay, when I come in, can you walk me through it? Absolutely. So then when he came in, also keep in mind, our youngest was there who has explored their gender. So they yeah. got to see firsthand this man brazenly trying on these shoes that he has been looking for. He's, he was telling me the story like when he was in Vietnam and in the rice field, like Patty's and right. like he got shot in his leg. Mm -hmm. And he says, as long as it isn't from below my knee, because someday I want to wear a dress and have my legs Aww. look good. 
in heels. Mm -hmm. And like, that's what he clung to his entire life. His wife, very supportive. Like Mm -hmm. they go and get pedicures and like, she supports these things too. But like he came in, he put on the pair of shoes. I asked him then like, would you like to try on a dress? And like, he got teary eyed and he was like, would you help me? And I'm like, yeah. Cause like, here's this man that's 77, not want to yeah. take off these six inch heels. Cause they're the only ones I had in stock that were in his size. Yeah. So he's there holding my shoulders while I help like put a dress on him and like button him up. And it was the most beautiful thing to watch him just come out and like sway in front of the mirror and not care that other people were walking around. Like our munchkin came in and was mm-hmm. just like, you look really pretty in your dress. And like, it was like Which everything. Which made his day no yeah. doubt. Yeah. And so it's like, you get to see that in kink too. Cause like yeah. people come in and they're afraid to see somebody see the like dirty secrets that's been hiding in the closet type of vibe. And right. then not only are they put in a space where they can watch it, then they don't have to be like, they don't have to right. be an active participant. Mm-hmm. They can just see other people. They can see these kinks and fetishes right. being acted on or um, embraced and celebrated. And then maybe like, oh, I didn't think that I was into that. But like, I really right. like that reaction. And like, I want to try something like that. And you get to right. learn so much about yourself. It, re- it, it makes me think of the moment uh, when I finally had told the first person that I was gay. And uh, their apartment became my freedom. Like, I could mm-hmm. say someone was cute. And I remember remember the beginning of being like oh my god I just said a guy was cute in you know out and you loud. could breathe and yep. you could yeah. breathe yeah. <laughs> it was allowing that um okay so I want to get into some people who are like are in the lifestyle maybe just uh starting but they have some questions that I I want to bring to the forefront this is actually this person wanted me to use their name because it, he's a good friend of mine and he's a good friend of the show he's been on a couple of times it's Tanner from Tulsa Tulsa Oklahoma um, and he said he's been invited to my first orgy, and I am so excited. But is there anything I should know about orgy etiquette? I'll open that to the room. I don't know, orgy like etiquette. orgy so, etiquette. Although I think it should be a book. STI testing would be my first brain That's of like, hey, does thing. everybody coming in um, that has been tested within the last three months? Yep. Wow. And what like, what thing. is the protocol for using protection? Right. And like, is that before you're putting in my holes, I'd like to know where it's been and yeah. <laughs> that it's going to be right before you tap it. Yeah. So <laughs> that's, that's like, fascinating. Those are like the boundaries that we have for like my yeah. personal relationship is I don't become sexual with someone until papers are proven and we're clean yeah. and we know. And then we talk about, are we going to be fluid bonded? Are we not? I mean, the, right. like we talk about all those things. Yeah. And so as far as etiquette in, in uh, an orgy scenario um, is just, you know, we like it, I guess rules would be very similar to like our house. We have like yeah. three rules. One is don't be a dick. Yes, that's my number one <laughs> okay. rule in life. Good. That's my right. religion. Actually, Second, is don't be a dick. Don't die, because no one wants that. No. Wants you to die. no. And the third one we just newly added a couple of months ago because it's perfect because we added it for our eighteen-year-old. Read the room. Important. Also, like talking, that's a skill set. Right, we'll tell you. Yeah, so. definitely is. I love this. Now, Damon, uh, what would you say to someone? Because you brought up something very interesting, Mr. Senior which is this idea of you know your personal boundaries. Mm-hmm. Damon, what would you say to right. this whole thing? Yeah. So I would say, first of all, most people, if it's a private home or a play space, will tell you what the protocols are in an email ahead of time. Mm-hmm. So they'll tell you if they have certain expectations about certain sexual activities. Um, hopefully, they'll there'll be something in there about consent. Or if they want you to bring beer, if they want you to bring marijuana, or if they want you to bring something, they'll tell you, this is what I want you to do. 
Beyond that, being someone who's actively involved in gay, primarily gay male space, well, exclusively gay male spaces, I have a very different idea about what protection means. Yeah. I never talk about protection with my sexual partners. They can put it in any hole they want. I don't care. Yeah. The reason for that is because I take 100%, my own view, I take 100% responsibility for my sexual health using all of these wonderful things that are on my yes. list. Yes. Yep. yes. That I use PrEP to remain HIV negative. Yep. I use doxycycline to remain protected from STIs. I use Gyanos to be protected from monkeypox. A lot of my partners are living with HIV, so they're using U equals U. <laughs> but this means that I maintain that responsibility and I do not have to, nor want to, have any kind of dialogue or conversation about that in an orgy space. The whole point for me of being in an orgy space is to being able to release and let go of fear and right. um, thoughts of disease. I just want to have fun and be intimate and right. connect and take cum loads up my ass because that's kind of my fetish. Because <laughs> why not? Yeah. <laughs> Hallelujah. I love yeah. it. It's great. It doesn't really matter if anyone says, oh, I have this. And besides, right. who's going to tell me? Yes, by the way, I have gonorrhea right now and I came to an orgy today. Mostly people who come to orgies and about don't know their, their STI status or don't have access to sufficient testing. Right. So I take that responsibility for myself, and that's the mindset that I use and, and recommend that people consider using for themselves when preparing for an orgy. That and just follow the host's guidelines. Read See, the I email. appreciate that. Yeah, because, mm -hmm. like, for me, I've never been to an orgy. It's been a fantasy, but it's never yeah. been my reality. So, like, my reality has been, like, when we've had group sex within, like, who we bring in, those right. – we've had very different experiences. So it's mm -hmm. really great to hear like how you go into it because like for me, it would be like hypothetically, my brain was like, yeah, there would be an email setting the stage if you will. Right, right. And like, that's where like yeah. some of those things were talked about before the night of. So when you go to the, the event, if you will, um, right. then you can go in just feeling like I'm ready for this pleasure. I'm ready for these things right. and the engage in the things that are happening. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's amazing. Also, uh, who knew that you, now I lived in Tulsa for many, many years. Who knew you have to go to the, one of the most conservative places on earth to have an orgy. So I'm very, I'm very excited for him. He's so excited. He's very excited for this show. Okay. So <laughs> next question, uh, shaving a partner. I find it very erotic, but what is a good way to set the mood for that? Anyone oh, want to take shaving I a partner? Love that. That is a <laughs> fetish of mine. I both enjoy shaving my partner and being shaved by my partner. And so how do you set a mood? This, he wants oh, to for set me, this. For yeah. me, it's like more like a romantic, yeah. candlelit, you know, mood lighting. You know, you kind of want right. to set the stage moving in. And like by mood day. lighting, I mean he waxes me so it's bright as shit. And he's put <laughs> blindfolds on me with nice music. Right. Yes. <laughs> that way you don't have to be blinded by yes. the reflection of the light. Uh -huh. You know, I mean, I, it's well, there. Come on, I got to see. But like that's actually like so him. shaving is something that came up when when I first started dating him and his ex-wife. I was like, all right. And he's like, I'm thinking of leaving. I'm like, mm, do not leave her for me. Let's just lie. I'm a shit show and you need to know what you're getting in for. So I said all the things. And I was like, yeah. if you want a woman that is going to be well manicured and, and that is not me. Right. If you want it shaved and I haven't shaved it, by all means, grab a razor and right. go down and do it. Right. And so like that was the end of like, you can shave my legs. And like, and then he found he was like, oh, I enjoy this. And then it it was right. like shaving other and then it was like 
then it just became a, a form of intimacy and connections mm-hmm. outside right. of sex that could right. lead there. But it was like, it became its own realm of, of just intimate connections. Right. And I would say, to, so I'm a bear, obviously, if you can see me, you know, that's true. <laughs> so it was, and it, it is, you know, everybody has their own. And I did, I was with a partner for a very a long time who was very much into that. So this is all I would say. Just don't. You know, don't surprise them with the razor or the or whatever you're doing. That's the only way I think because it, it was just part of our. It was part of the uh, the foreplay, and it was part of the you know that that fun. But I would say that's the only thing I can say is like this is just something you don't want to spring on them. Like let it be part of that romantic conversation you have before you get into the sexy time. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> what do you think, David? Yes, exactly. That's what I was going to say. It's referring back to earlier is to have these conversations um, yeah. and communications. Some people may not want that. Mm-hmm. Or some people, you know, I also like heirs and big hairy guys. But, yeah. And and for some of them, there's a lot of pride in showing their hair. And they right. may not be, um, that might hurt their feet or may be offensive to them to be asked mm-hmm. that. So right. just, but you don't know unless you talk about it. Exactly. If it's it's this idea of being able to to share with another human and to talk about these things. And the, what's fascinating to me as I've gotten older, obviously being raised in, in by a minister and his wife, uh, it was a whole, I can't even explain the, the evolution of what life is, but it was all about being willing to talk and being willing to hear and knowing that if this isn't for me, I have a right to say it, but it's the only way we're both going to find out what we're in for. Um, so it's that whole uh, idea of communication. Okay, next. This one, I have to say, I had a reaction, which is shocking to me because I don't really react to, to sex questions or anything. So, And I think it's because, I don't know. I'll tell you what it is. I'll tell you what my reaction was. Is it appropriate to ask someone to unlock their cage. And I asked for clarification and they mean like a cock cage. Uh, Mm -hmm. Is it appropriate because some of us want to touch it? And right away I was like, oh, don't disrespect that person. They're wearing it because they want to wear it. But I don't know. But what, any any ideas in the room? Everybody's different. Communication again is key. Right. Like, and also like there could be dynamics behind that with other people as well. So it's, my approach to situations, I always, I always try and approach things with curiosity. It's like, yeah, you're wearing that. I find that very alluring, and right. I would love to have the experience of taking it off you. And is right. that is something that? Because like one thing that we've been um, getting people to explore more is like pickup play to experience the conversation with someone else about similar wants and right. whatnot, and trying to find those things. Because also, not only is um, uh, learning those things, sex doesn't have to be a part of that. It's very right. separate. Like it's, the scene in Spokane was very, very uh, limited in that area. Sex wasn't part of the kink scene when I came into it. It was just rarely this. You saw this right. kink happen. And then over time, things have changed, which is great. I so. would say specifically to the cock cage um, aspect of like if they're wearing it, because you were saying mm-hmm. like they're wearing it and the person is wanting to ask them to take it off. Right. So it does come down to that communication of like, hey, I see you're wearing a cock cage. Is that something that has a dynamic with you and a partner? Is that right. something? Because that, that is a different thing. Mm-hmm. Do you mind if I? 
No? Okay. Yeah. All right. Hey. Uh, so, for <laughs> this instance, is the show. <laughs> do it. Oh. Uh, we've explored um, Caucasian stuff and like yeah. and um, uh, in different types of um, of that kind of play. I've had a partner wear a chastity belt, and I'll say, as a person that gets to wear that key around my neck, it's a fucking dick swinging contest. <laughs> and I'm just not even contest. It's just a, I feel powerful, and right? I'm just like, oh, because of this thing. And like, okay. it is a fantasy for me as we have our dungeon and our other partners come in and we play and has it piqued my brain of like, I would like you to wear this cage while playing with one of your partners. Not because I'm trying to control, but because I find that to be, right. you're aroused, you're in state. And like, I'm the one holding your key in that, yeah. and that, that plays into our dynamics. But like, if he had a partner that was wanting to have contact with that, like right. I would want them to feel like they could come talk to me. He could come talk to me and be like, right. I would like to take this off for this moment, for this 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 time of space. Is that okay? And on all sides of the spectrum, I feel like it all comes down to just that communication and understanding. I, I agree. Damon, do you have any thoughts on this? We're getting I agree. specific communication now. And I think context, context yes. matters. Better so if we're in the middle of a play situation, Coming up to somebody and asking them might feel inappropriate. Yep. But I was actually in a orgy situation like two weeks ago in Bushwick, and there's like a play space where people fuck or do whatever they're gonna do, and yeah. then there's like a kitchen area where people just sort of hang out and talk. And there was a guy with a cock cage um, in the kitchen and just like hanging out and was talking about it and was very open and very sweet and just talking about why he's wearing it and what it means to him, and cool. that felt like, hey, there was a context to have a discussion about it. But it wasn't just people saying, oh, I want to do this to you. And there were plenty of other uncaged cocks that people could touch if they wanted right. to touch a cock. Yeah. So if you're seeing this in a situation, I'm wondering, like, the context, again, is it because you're seeing it at a bar? Or, like, are there other, if you really, really want to touch a penis, are there other right. penises you can touch that aren't versus the one in front cage. of you. Right, yeah. right. I like this idea of context. Like or is that why you want it? Because it is cage. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah, the forbidden. Mm -hmm. right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I, I like this idea of understanding. <laughs> yeah, and understanding context is like, that says everything. We all have different reasons we want to do different things. And if you understand, you know, what they want from this, then, you, then you'll know if, uh, you know, if they want you to touch it. Um, as that person said, and, and if you have doubts, if you have doubts, don't do it. Like if right. part of your mind is, I don't know if you're saying, I don't know, into hedging, I would err on the caution of not right. asking that or not doing anything if you're not sure. Right. Okay. So we have two more questions we're going to end in the show with, but this next one is very important. Uh, we had a lot of people, actually, we had a guest is coming on in the future and they got confused. And when they saw, we announced the fetish show, they were very concerned that we were bringing them on as a surprise here on the bed. Oh. And they were like, I am so vanilla. Like, this is not. So we had a lot of questions from people who said, I actually have no interest in this, but it's becoming more of the mainstream conversation. Is there something wrong with me because this is not an interest that I have? So, Damon, how would you address someone who has that, you know, kind of curiosity yeah. of if there's something wrong? I want to make it very clear. There is nothing wrong with your desire. I just watched the Judy Bloom documentary <gasps> on Amazon, I which I highly recommend. Oh, really? It's so good. And part of what she talks about is over the 50 years that she's yeah. been writing and reaching young people is this question. Is there something wrong with me because of the way I'm feeling? Right. And this is the same thing Dr. Ruth, Ruth Westheimer talked about in her documentary. Mm -hmm. It's yes. like, 
this persistent question from people, is there something wrong with me because of what I feel or because of what I don't feel? No, there is nothing wrong with you because of what you feel or what you don't feel. We're not talking about an obligation to enjoy pleasure. We're talking about an option to enjoy something and have experiences that can enhance and expand your experience of being alive and being in your body. And there's no, again, no shoulds around that. There's no normal around that. If it's your cup of tea, great. If it's not your cup of tea, that's your, that's fine. I don't know what I am, to be honest with you, because I do certain things that I guess some people would think are fetishes and other people <laughs> who would say I'm vanilla. But yeah, like mentioned earlier, I love orgies. I love right. naked bodies. I love come up my ass. I love getting right. come up my ass. I love hairy bears. I don't know. That's just what I love. It doesn't yeah. really matter to me if people say that as a kink or a fetish or not, because it's just what I right. love and what I'm going to do. But, mm-hmm. you know. I've always loved how open you are. You're you're my hero because we've mm-hmm. known each other so long. Boy, a lot is uh, you taught me about prep when it was just hitting the market. You were our first guest on our show to talk about that. Ooh. And you changed my world and life became a little more. You know, Damon is my favorite person in the world. No. I want to bring up, lastly, very important, and this is, comes from a friend of mine who is very much into uh, the kink lifestyle, and I love talking to him and his husband because they are so open, and there is no shame when you talk. Uh, but he wanted to make sure, he said, if I could ask you to talk about anything, can we please talk about the importance of safety, consent, and safe words? So let's start with you two mm-hmm. to talk about that, the importance of that agreement. Do you, the importance of agreement, first off, do you want to tell them what our safe word is? Well, everybody has their different safe. Ours is yeah. Play-Doh. I love it. Because <laughs> <laughs> you just know. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Um, so for me, I guess coming out from it, from as a facilitator, first and foremost, so mm-hmm. as a person with a dungeon, for me, and it was safety. Uh, safety, consent, and safe words. Mm-hmm. So all of which are there's you need those like that is founding building blocks the basics providing a safe space a a safe space that is laid out um like for us when we have our play nights all of our house rules are laid out immediately before any play happens if you haven't been here you sit here go through it um we say what the like the the safe word everybody has their individual safe words but then in like our facility safe word is a safe word if we hear safe word then that play a scene stops the DMs, the dungeon, dungeon monitors come in. They assist the situation, talk to everybody. And then we ask that you do, those two people, you could be married, you could be dating, whatever. You do not engage in play at our facility for the rest of that night because we want to could be sure that anything that happened to create that safe word, whether it was right. a, a strike that went to, to awry or right, an emotional happens. trigger yeah. that was done, mm-hmm. whatever, that those um, emotional and or physical um, uh safety um, measures are taken into consideration that you're not being like, Oh, well we just had this and now we're going to go into another scene right. where it could get gross or worse right. and whatever the case may be. So like being aware of if you're at another person's facility or house or whatever the case may be, like what are their ground rules? Right. If you're in a public right. dungeon space, um, knowing uh, who your dungeon monitors are, because that's how we keep that space safe. They right. are sitting there watching all the things. So it's like, yeah, that I think I rambled. Sorry. No, I, that, that's exactly. <laughs> I I agree. The biggest thing about that uh, I 
reiterate there is the consent. And that's yes. one of the things that we do in the dungeon. We do first and foremost is yes, we have our rules and we say what the procession of the rules are for the day and whatnot. Right. We hit consent every single time. Because it's not event. Se- it's not just sexy, it's mandatory. It's mandatory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's some and like there's other places you go that like consent isn't just a yes. It has to be a very exuberant yes, I want yeah. to do this. Yeah. And so we we want people to talk about consent. We want to people. We have handouts. We have consent handouts for negotiations of like, this is because people will forget questions and stuff yeah. like that when they're talking to another person about any specific subject. So yep. giving them that guideline uh, to help yeah. them right. through. Right, Damon. What would you say to these? This that uh, this person wanted to make sure we talked about safety, consent, and safe words. Yeah, I mean, to experience pleasure, there must be a semblance of trust. And when I say mm-hmm. trust, it doesn't mean I have to like, know you all that well. It just means I have to trust that you're not going to physically, sexually, emotionally, or socially harm me in right. some way, or at least not do something to me without my permission. Right. So safe words are really instrumental in having that experience of saying, okay, I know I'm going to, I trust you. That means now I can breathe and relax into the pleasure that we can share in this experience together. And I don't think that's quantifiably different in kink from any other, like I wish Mm -hmm. every person, every sexual person considered creating safe words and talking about them before they get into any situation because I think a lot of harm and trauma would be avoided if everybody used safe words and really talked about consent in all sexual interactions. Agreed. Agreed. It is that part of that communication. It's part of that. You mentioned trust. I think for me, sex is all about trust. It's all about being able to explore and have an adventure together. But trust is the only way that you can have that. Now, as we wrap up, I want to say, oh, yes. If you don't trust, if you don't trust, your central nervous system is going to be like on guard. And Mm -hmm. how much can you enjoy and experience and learn and, and try something new and experience something in your body in a pleasurable way when your central nervous system is telling you fight or flight. Yeah. That is so true. That it's absolutely yeah. true. In there, not, I don't want to do that again. But yeah, I totally agree. First of all, I have to say, we didn't even get through half the questions that I, that I uh, kind of pared down from even more questions. So uh, I'm excited to get feedback from y'all who watched the show and loved it because, you know, we always have to have Damon on every few months because there's still more. There's always more. But I do want to say one thing that, so when we're, when I took my poor intern with me and we toured the mm-hmm. thing, do you call them stocks, right? Where the, the head and the arms? Yeah, the stocks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I almost caught my breath. That is, that is the best thing I've ever seen. Stocks are it for me. That's my new fetish that I'm all going right. to explore. Um, and also, for all of you curious listeners, my safe word for 20 years has been pineapple. Uh, so there you go for 20 years now everybody knows i just want to thank everybody for always tuning in always going on the the journeys that we go on and always having open healthy conversations no matter what we're talking about in this space they are important now more than ever in this world is to to find a way to connect and the only way to do that is to openly discuss all sorts of things including 
sex. So remember, you can see, you can listen to our show either way every Tuesday at thequeercentric.com. I love that I'm looking over here. My camera's right here. Yeah. Uh -huh. You know, whatever. Um, you it's can fun go to, to watch you the whole time. Right. I've been giggling myself. I just <laughs> talk all over the place. It'll drive Kurt later when he's doing the editing. Um, go to thequeercentric.com. And I want to say, as we mentioned earlier, the Thrive, uh, our sponsor Thrive, I'm wearing the necklace right now. It has a universal symbol on the front for uh, diabetics. Uh, this is a really cool, so you get to look cool and it can save your life. You just take the back off and you can take the glucose, uh, the glucose gel right in, right in to kind of help you if you're having those moments. If you would like a free one, we will mail you one happily. All you have to do is find us on Facebook or on Instagram. And if you, if you're a new uh, like person and you like us, send me a message and we'll send that out to you right away. Um, so if you're in the Spokane area, please look for the House of Debauchery. Please visit Atomic Threads. Please read all of Damon's books. I'm uh, telling I you. I have them at the boutique. Oh, I'm going to have to talk to you about that because I, yes. Oh, listen. I'm and they're so library. good. He, is mm -hmm. cha he changed us. I used to have a co-host and uh, we would talk about his books all the time. They're very well done. Um, and, and it takes a lot to do them. And every time I try to tell David he needs to do it, he's like, do you know how long it takes me to write a freaking book? But we still someday, when you're 90, Damon, and you're just kind of having some retirement, give us a new book. 